Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Just the Facts, the weekly roundup here at Source Stream. Every Friday <laughs> at 3 p.m. Eastern. Oh, I are we so exhausted tired. or what? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, well, it's it's good. It's good to see you, Wade. It's I'm, good to uh, see you, Blake. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you 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 made it out of bed today. That's that's <laughs> always always a good sign on Fridays of, in in Trump land. Exactly. I hope hopefully we won't be told to go back to bed. <laughs> Man, we'll, there, we'll there see what our that. see what our yeah right. We've been we've been doling out plenty of that. We've got yeah, we're yeah. we're I'm. I'm I'm over caffeinated, so we can we can we can get to it. Perfect. Well, let's. Oh. See. Everybody knows what happened this week. We'll we'll get into the facts. I I bet you can all figure out where we're going with it. Um, jump in chat. Let us know what you all think about these. We'll start. Go ahead with fact one. President Trump was treated at Walter Reed for COVID. He took a car ride before being released to return to the White House. Yes, he did. I mean, I, you know, look, I, I, I have struggled. We all, I mean, we've seen the photographs. We've, we've, we, we can all shake our head. I mean, I, I think on a, on a, on a practical, even political level, I mean, I, I do not understand the president's strategy here no. at all. No. Um, I, I, the public health stuff, in and of itself, but I, I don't I don't get what he what he was trying to achieve with the joyride, with the with leaving the hospital early, with the whole that whole seventy two hour weekend mm-hmm. of 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 basically propaganda I, I did nothing for him. I mean, he he accomplished nothing. I mean, it it inflamed his base, right? I mean, I feel like that's all he's doing now is. He's not looking for new voters. He wants to make sure that his existing voters come out. I think so that, I mean, on some level, it might be this. We're prepping for this ability to say, we we got our people out. We know who our people voted for. And if that isn't reflected and we lose, because they're the same people who voted four years ago. And I'm like, no, they're not. <laughs> Right. I think that's yeah, the line I, of argumentation is we won four years ago. We've got the exact same people voting. It's There's, a turnout game. You know, and so, and if we lose, we didn't lose four years ago. Um, he lost popular vote four years yeah. ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, it's funny. I kept, I kept, I kept thinking about mind, you know, this is okay. So the president, you know, has COVID and, you know, there, there to me were, were a couple of, a couple of options at that point for, you know, for him. One was, one was to, to sort of take the approach of, you know, it, yes, you know, we, it, it, it has happened. Um, this is serious. I want to, I have it. I want to walk you through, you know, what it means, what it yeah. does to the body, raise all the awareness, et cetera. And try I mean, he and said, I get it. Right. Yeah. And then I mean, he didn't get it. Yeah. And, and so, you know, so I thought for a moment, like, wow, I, not that I ever think Trump's going to pivot, but I think to myself, like, maybe he'll just learn his lesson and somebody will talk some political sense into him and say, look, Mr. President, if you open up a broad dialogue about this, this is sort of like this can be your kind of Reagan getting, you know, colon cancer moment 
of let's peel the layers back. Let's tell people about treatment. Mm -hmm. Let's tell people what it Mm -hmm. does. Let's be fully transparent and, and let's calm the anxiety of the country over what the virus does. And then let's try and pivot a little bit. Let's get a COVID relief bill done. Let's get, let's, let's raise some, some acknowledgement of what the winter is going to look like. Let's put Fauci back out there and let's really sort of lean into this, you know, you may disagree with what we've done, but let me tell you what we've done and why. I still have it. So obviously you can get to anyone. Mm-hmm. And here's what I want to tell you about treatment. And here's what I want to tell you about what we know, because it's happening to me. And it could have been a pretty, a, a very interesting and, and, and perhaps transformative moment. Instead, he just does what Trump always does, which is the worst possible thing. And it doubled down on yeah. the, I mean, you, uh, <sighs> There's so many things about this that just really upset me, right? I mean, from the traditional Republican point of view, right? We, you respect the Secret Service. You care about blah, 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 right? He blames yeah. Gold Star families for giving oh, yeah. But, you know, I, I saw a, a post, a, a social media post from a, a good friend of mine who was a Secret Service agent for a long time. And I have friends who were Secret Service agents. And, you know, we all in, in from D.C. knew those guys, right? And they said, this is, they took an oath, right, to to put their lives before the life of the president, but not thinking that the president himself was going to be the threat, the right. physical threat. There's right. something about not respecting, I mean, a Republican president fundamentally disrespecting the Secret Service is beyond, like, that's not the Republican party, right? As much people who would say sometimes we're way too rapidly patriotic. Right. But that was one of those things that we were willing to, to kind of take on. If that was our failing that'd be a failing, but this guy just goes, I, they live to serve me. Absolutely. Instead That's what of, means. I mean, he personally at right. the expense of anything else and anything then, else, the second piece that just really, really, just scares the shit out of me on this was when we saw all of the stuff of like, you know, basically this God's going to heal me thing. And when you saw the religious <laughs> right. right and the, in, in the yeah. political evangelical movement, basically saying this is, you know, Trump said it's a gift from God and blah, blah, blah. And all of this stuff. I mean, the, the, the hyper religiosity of of what happened here is incredibly unnerving because the other pieces it implies everybody who died from COVID didn't pray enough or God didn't heal that person. And so we've heard this rhetoric before uh, and Pence being the running mate (laughs) makes, it makes total sense. I mean, and, and again, I mean, when I started seeing, I understood the rise of the religious right and that kind of movement, you know, fighting the culture war and whatnot. But, but when it became more theocratic in nature, rather than just informing policy, that's when I was like, "Mm, the conservative movement has lost its way. It fundamentally got hijacked. It's not conservative. It's William F. Buckley would be (laughs) spinning in his grave right now. Um, You know, I mean, this is, this is a theocratic regime and it can't be really explained any other way. 
Well, it's 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 theocratic and and it's authoritarian. I mean, yeah. and that's the, the now we've got the intersection. That's a pretty pretty, in my view, the dangerous intersection. Um, and, and, and we've talked about that. We've talked about that before, but I, I think one of the, one of the, the very peculiar circumstances around this really isn't that, that the president got COVID. He certainly wasn't protecting himself uh, in, in any way, shape or form, but I think it's the fact that, and, 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 you know, uh, you know, sometimes you can, you, you know, you can, you can slather irony on thick, but it, you know, the fact that, that this, that this event with where you're rolling out a Supreme, a very conservative Supreme Court justice becomes a super spreader event mm-hmm. and it finds its way into the, into the White House itself. And the president has it and many of his advisors have it and his press secretary has it. And all of, you know, all of this stuff, I think, communicates finally to people who have who have sensibilities who are like, you know what? I, I'm not going to feel sorry for for you because I never bought into this that you people are certain people are invincible or that mm-hmm. this virus again this virus has has a religious a religious point of view or a political point of view yeah. or a geographic point of view it has none of those things and and you know we're seeing polling you know come out where people are are just not sympathetic at all to Trump. And so, so, and then you layer in his behavior and it's uh, what a, I mean, just, I know we're going to talk about other aspects of this week, but I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, you cannot, you could not have, you could have not have scripted a worse political week for, for Donald Trump, or at least the worst, worst political 10 days from the, you know, the day after his debate. I mean, it just has been, absolutely devastating. The irony though, is you look at the Trump supporters who were doubling down on it. I mean, sure. It's not a worse week for him. When you look at, they're all going, see, I'm not, I'm not saying it, it, it has much. I mean, we've seen, we've seen, we've certainly seen, you know, we've seen him, him tumble in national polls, but the question is, what is, you know, what does that mean? There are polls out, right. Out, you know, over the, over the last two days, that still, have him back up in Arizona, up in Florida, up in yep. Texas. I mean, so, you know, up in Georgia. I mean, so the map, you know, is still the map. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, you're, it's an excellent point that you make. It's like to, to what, to what actual consequence politically and that's to be determined. And I think that's a, I think it would be more damning for him to show weakness to his supporters. Well, that's because certainly if he showed weakness to supporters, then they might not vote for him. I, and I think part of that is is his own, it, you know, is, is a bit of a projection because I, I think they would vote for him no matter what. Or what they might happened. stay home. I'm not saying that they would vote for Biden. They yeah, might just I, say, they might just say, you know, yeah, he, he brought a lot of people to the polls four years ago that didn't that were not normal voters. Well, there's no, there's no question that silent majority that, that we talked about in 16 is, is no longer silent now. I think the Trump has a real problem, you know, with seeing, with equating sickness to weakness. And so, and, and, and I think probably, uh, you know, that that's where he gets in his own way a little bit because he, he assumes that his own perspective is the smart political strategy. Right. And, and I think he could have, he could have accomplished a lot more going a different way because I, I think you're exactly right. And you raised it on the front end. Most people 
are not going to understand why he got in a car with two Secret Service agents, knowing he was infected with COVID-19, knowing that how contagious this virus is, how being, you know, we're told don't be in enclosed right. environments for long periods of time. A mask is is incredibly effective, but it's not the it's not a hundred percent effective. Right. And so these poor guys having to drive him around for a publicity stunt, people finally say, you know what? Enough's enough, man. Yeah. Like this is reckless. I mean, masks are condoms, right? I mean, they're not a hundred percent. We know that. Um, we can ask some of our friends' as parents. <laughs> so, um, you know, sorry. It's Friday. This 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 may take it's, a turn. This may take a turn. Well, I mean, <laughs> that's just the world we're living in. Yeah. No, but I mean, I mean it's I mean it, it is one of those. It's it's an utterly bizarre thing because you've told people for months and months. Yeah. You know, not necessarily Trump, but but people that we've listened to in government officials wear a mask, socially distance, stay outdoors, avoid, you know, being inside with with people for long periods of time, at least without ventilation. Well, we know the president of the United States can't ride around in a car with the windows down. So, right. um, it, it you know, we've we, so it, it just <laughs> defies everything that anyone has said. And and again, to what end? I mean, these. You know, I, I just, these PR stunts backfire every time they try them. I mean, they just, they, they backfire. And I didn't think it could get any worse than the gassing of people in Lafayette right. Park. Um, th this to me is, it, it was, was, was significantly not. He gassed not, people at Lafayette Park. And then he had his Department of Justice basically say three metropolitan cities are anarchist states. Right. Which you've talked about a lot on I mean, your show. Come on. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, Britta. Uh, wow. Britta Spitzer says, "Blake, I think I have a new quote for Wade." Um, sorry about that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but, but here, the 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 last piece here, and and we'll get onto the other piece, which is also COVID related. Um, we have a lot of COVID facts this week, guys. <laughs> We're going to be busting through. It's them. not. It, look, it's not going away. Cases are on the rise. We, but, I mean, you know, Trump was treated at Walter Reed. He was treated with the kind of capacity and servicing that was not accept, accessible to the 7 million other right. cases in America. So for him to kind of say, I got it. Don't be afraid of it. Well, if you have access to Walter Reed medical facilities, then you might not have to be as afraid of it. But 217,000 people dead might not have been afraid of it either, but they still died because they didn't have access. His, his post, his I mean, post come release commentary was appalling. I mean, and because it, 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 it demonstrates the vast inequity. And look, he's the president of the United States. I'm thrilled that he had the absolute best care in the world. That is wonderful. And so far, it, it seems to be. And hopefully, that will serve all of our future presidents very, right. very well. Exactly. Exactly right. I'm all for it. I am. I, there's nothing about that that, on, that I have Harris. any problem with. But I, but, but I have a, I have a very big problem with, with downplaying something based on an unequal playing field yeah. and someone gets sick with COVID, 
you know, to get on Remdesivir requires a lot of hoops to jump through. Mm -hmm. They were able to jump through them quickly because he was the president of the United States. Um, You know, he had, and we saw them, he had, you know, a dozen or more doctors focused on every aspect of his care, essentially an ICU team. I mean, everything focused on on his care. Um, He wasn't going to get a bill for that medical care. Um, and he had around the clock, you know, people focused just on him. And, um, and so look, I'm, I'm all for the therapies. I'm all for the treatment. I'm all for all of that, but Joe public doesn't get that. And so we have to acknowledge what the system is and then remind people. And that's what just drives me nuts. This was a, this was a leadership moment and he just once again, failed. We've talked about stewardship a lot as, as the role of government on my show a lot. This was, I mean, and, and again, I'll, I'll, this will be the last time really I, today, at least I'll bring up kind of the religious right aspect of it as a, as a person of faith. I know you are as well. I mean, we have a lot of friends who are, you know, probably even more devout prayer warriors than, than I am. (laughs) Certainly. Um, my mother was one and, you know, she died of a, disease that she kept trying to, to pray for and, and end up saying, okay, God actually just give me the strength to live with it. Um, it wasn't, I, I don't think God doesn't care about me because I'm not healed. Right. And, and that he could have been, if he wants to play the religious game, go be a servant leader. Yeah. You know, don't be, you know, don't be a Pharisee on this action. I mean, you don't, you don't get to play. Jesus heals me and then be the Pharisee at the same time. It does. It doesn't work. Well, and it's just not helpful. I mean, no, you know, it's grotesque. I mean, it's, it, it's just, it's, it, you know, again, and we've seen his off the record comments about, about the religious community and, mm-hmm. and thinks of these faith leaders and, and, and everything else. And I think, again, that stuff just isn't, it, it's just not helpful. People, right. People in a time of crisis need information. They need facts. They need to know what is what. They can take it. That's right. absolutely true. They can take it. It's just you got to tell them what's going on. Living with uncertainty is far worse. It's much more anxiety inducing and people not knowing what to do. So, you know, the how do I deal with this? What do I do? If I go outside, right. am I dead? I mean, this, this is where we started with this thing. Right. And now we're, we've learned a lot more and that's good. But this sort of saying, you know, this virus was a, was a gift from God. I mean, give me a break. I mean, it's just, that's the kind of I thing. I, I, so, I, it is so infuriating with this president because he refuses to meet the moment. And and there's yeah. so much blasphemy in that that is not only not understood or accepted by the religious community who still supports him bizarrely. It's it's his, it's his largest audience. I mean, it, evangelicals are his he, largest. Like, he goes out of his way to be blasphemous about it. I, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Hey, that, that, that's its own show. You know, we'll find some, we could spend, we could spend a weekend on we'll that. We'll find people of faith and religious leaders to, to yeah. have our own shows on this show on Source yeah. later. Yeah. But um, fact two is more than a dozen White House staff and senior GOP officials have tested positive for COVID this week after yep. 
the the announcement that the president had COVID. Um, so know, we have a little montage of all of these faces. It's not exhaustive, but um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of people. We're putting yeah, it, like I, these I mean, are real people as well. Yeah. I mean, all the all the usual caveats, you hope everybody recovers. It's not something you want anyone to have to come into contact with. But There's no Hicks telling. isn't showing up at Walter Reed. Kylie McEnany isn't showing up at Walter Reed. No. Meadows I, isn't showing up at Walter Reed. Well, and, 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 and the president's certainly not expressing much sympathy for all his staffers who have this. And Melania didn't show up at Walter Reed. Where was she yeah. getting treated? I mean, it's, I mean, you know, it's, look, you, you know, again, you hope that, that that everybody can get access to both testing and and yeah. know who they've come into contact with. There's we we've seen reports. There's not much contact tracing coming out of the White House. So a lot of people. And remember, it's not just the president's staffers. There is a permanent staff yeah. at the White House: groundskeepers, butlers, civil you know, servants. civil servants. I mean that they're they serve no matter who the president is and you know, they're, they've been exposed to this thing. And so, yeah, you need a, it's not just about Donald Trump. And that is the thing that just, I wish people would wake up to the, just the lack of empathy, the lack of compassion, the lack of just goddamn courtesy of, of just simply saying, you know what? We need to, we need to, we need to get information out. We need to help people. We need to let everyone know. And instead, they're doing what they normally do, which is hiding so, information. And and it's just it, it's it's really unfortunate. I mean, what what is weird about this that I I've I've seen people kind of talk about it in kind of the the larger meta of what it would mean for the president, or you know, in that level, but. What does it mean if call called the 11 people who contracted COVID and acknowledged that they contracted COVID this week? We'll see how many people, you know, test positive next week or whatever. Right. Um, if they're all sick and can't do their jobs, if national security advisors cannot like are are sick yeah. with COVID the way when most Americans got get sick with COVID, they get sick with COVID and they go, they can't go to work. They can't mm -hmm. do the job. I mean, what, what happens to the apparatus well, when yeah. there's no back bench either, right? And Trump doesn't have a, a B team. He doesn't have a, a, a C string team. Um, I think that's, I mean, again, there's been, there's been some reporting on this and then I did a, I did uh, I've done a couple of segments on on my show about the you know yep. are we are we venturing towards kind of a national security um, crisis because of the and you think about it a couple of ways one is the personnel who are who are sick and remember this virus doesn't treat any two people the same right. so it's it's you know it's not like the symptoms and the the everything are uniform so. You know, depending on a variety of factors, the virus can do so it can, you know, you can have a mild case or you can you can feel the lasting effects for months. And mm -hmm. that's obviously going to impact your ability to to do your job and to do all the things that are that are incredibly complicated and in, yeah. in the work of, of national security. And so and so you you've got that. But then you also have the natural distraction yeah. of our eyes are focused on covid 
personnel is out? How are we developing processes and systems to account for that? How are decisions getting made? All of that sort of stuff that is very important, yep. as we know, in, in, in our system. And so meanwhile, we're distracted. Our eyes are focused over here. And meanwhile, over here, you know, off stage, things are happening. And the only cabinet level officials that we know that are you know, kind of protected from this are the ones that Trump yelled at today for not, for not doing stuff. I mean, you can't excoriate people who are actually doing their, well, I mean, you can, he did it, right. But you shouldn't be, we shouldn't expect our, our executives, our leaders to excoriate the people on their cabinet about not being able to do their jobs correctly. When quite frankly, they're safe. And healthy. I mean, well, and, maybe and, and that's part of it. It's like, they're like, of course, I'm not going to go and meet with you in the Oval because you have COVID. Right. And there's a, you know, there's a story in the Washington Post um, this afternoon where officials are are describing the situation as, quote, a shit show. And it's a so, dumpster fire, for sure. I mean, yeah. And for so, sure. guess what? I mean, it's. Of their own healthy. making. Right. But it, a shit show is a shit show. That's and right. guess what? I mean, that, that's going to get out. That's going to get out to, to our adversaries. They're going to understand that there is chaos in, in, in government. And it, and it people begins aren't with paying attention. And, right. You know, we'll go back to the facts that we've talked about over the past few weeks and DHS and CIA and FBI, um, you know, I'll come in and say, thanks for the gift of a sub realtor. We, we do appreciate that. Congratulations, Jackson 2045 for, for getting a new sub. And welcome Here. to, welcome, welcome to, to source stream. Yeah. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll be, we'll be talking about some of those other pieces that, that you get as a sub here and, and kind of the benefits that, that, that happens in a minute. But, um, you know, I mean, yeah, we, we talk a lot about the fact that 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 had already been a thing over the past month is the FBI directors and DHS, even Cuccinelli, you know, the Ken Cuccinelli, the, the super hyper political department of Homeland security acting secretary acknowledged that the greatest threat to election security are, are is extremism right. and people. And that doesn't come from nowhere. You know, I mean, we know Russia's coming in and, and trying to do misinformation. We know China's infiltrated the New York Police Department and potentially over 100 other government agencies across the country. And now we know a militia group is plotting trying to kidnap the governor of Michigan. I mean, right. the, their top three were Russia, China and, and domestic extremism, domestic extremism. And, and we I have mean, all three right exactly. now in right. proof and, and right. they're emboldened. Because right. nobody, nobody's able to pay attention. Right. It's, I mean, it is, like I said, I mean, I, you know, as I've talked about, as you've talked about, we're, this is not an alarmism. This is, yeah. this is the hand that we have and it's, and, and we've got to react to it. And there is, there is a lot going on out there that people need to wake up to. This yeah. is not going to be the kind of, the kind of election and the kind of reaction mm -hmm. that anybody is used to. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I have to say that out loud, but, but, uh, and it's and, axiomatically and I, true, but it, I, I, 
I, I think it's it, – it, it, well, it is what it is <laughs> to, to borrow from. To borrow from we're, we're reclaiming that phrase here on yeah. Just the Facts, right? <laughs> we're we're going to take that phrase back. Yeah. So before we go to the next fact, by the way, um, thanks for, for, again, gifting a sub. Oh, very uh, generous. Realtor, we, we, do, we do appreciate that. Um, one of the things that we're doing here on SourceStream now – that we are able to have people follow and subscribe. So those of you all who followed us, please make sure you subscribe as well. Um, link your Amazon Prime account, your your email account here to your Twitch account. You get a, um, a Prime free membership subscription. And what that's going to do starting, I think, next week, Blake, is that right? With that's right. Stream Daily. Yep. Um, we put out a, um, a list every day kind of that we call the source stream daily. Um, Blake Rutherford actually writes it and compiles it every damn weekday. Oh, yeah. Does the yeoman's work here for us. And it's, it's a list of topical news stories of the day that we think are, are meaningful. And they actually also represent each one of the shows here on source stream. So you'll see the breadth and diversity of our points of view, um, catch any of those shows here. And and you'll be able to kind of keep up to date. You'll also get a jump start on our weekly just the facts because that's where we're calling them from. Yeah, yeah, you can. So, uh, yeah, no, we. Uh, oh, it's it's. We appreciate everybody who who has come along with us on this on this journey. We're a, we're a young company, young enterprise trying to do something very different in the in the political commentary space. So every every little bit of engagement, whether it's a follow, whether it's a subscription, whether it's signing up for, you know, for email updates on our website where uh, all of it, all of it helps us grow and, and build our brand and, and deliver quality content uh, to, to, to all of our, uh, to all of our, our users, which is at the end of the day, our, our number one goal. So we want, right. we want this to be a value to you. So um, that's uh, we're, we're, we're appreciative for everything you can do uh, to help us continue to do that. Absolutely. And what that gives us the opportunity to do too is do some specialty programming, like what we showed Wednesday night. We did, um, we did a VP debate watch party here, virtual VP debate watch party with some some spicy commentary. Yeah, uh, with me and Gloria Neal, who hosts the Glow Show, um, and that gets us to our fact three, which is the VP debate took place Wednesday. Maybe <laughs> a fly it's... was the only winner. Oh man. <laughs> For those of you well, who didn't get a chance to watch um, yeah. our VP debate watch party, go back. It's a recent broadcast. Um, Please if you do. didn't watch the VP debate, that's a great way of watching it. Um, you know, humble brag, we actually did a great job on it. <laughs> but, no, uh, it's great. But I mean, but but more even to the point of the debate, I do want to. I do want to. You know, you and you and you and Gloria did such a such a wonderful job and. And of course, that's, I mean, that's, it, that, it, that is both what I would, one, one would expect me to say, but it also happens. <laughs> um, As my grandfather said, has the added benefit of being true. Yeah, it does have the added benefit of being true. Um, and, uh, but, but I think one of the things that, that we certainly want to do here at SourceStream is, is, is not only showcase, you know, pers broad perspectives and smart and thoughtful commentary, but also is to bring in this, this aspect of true live commentary with things that are happening in real time. The only space that can happen in is the live streaming space. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're going to be doing a lot more of that. Um, we're going to be doing it around key United States Senate uh, debates. Uh, I think we're going to have one more presidential debate. We'll see how. 
work this out. Um, we'll probably, I imagine we'll have several more town halls and then other, other events as, as they come up. Um, but one of the things that we want to do is, is encourage people to, to know that you can, you know, you can, you can both watch the event and get commentary, um, in, in real time. And, and that's and a join the commentary. And join the commentary and so participate, you know, with with us all around. And we'll be doing a, a whole lot more of that um, across the in, the entire platform as we as we continue to grow. So um, this was I, I really strongly encourage you. I don't even think we have to much relitigate the debate. I think the fly was the winner. But uh, <laughs> but it, uh, but it um, but but it is a great a great example of of, of this aspect of programming that we're going to be doing a lot more of. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it, it is worth just commenting on the fact that there were so many people who were, the, the bar was set so differently, right. From the presidential debate that in a normal point of view, in a normal era, the amount of overtalk, the amount of, even from my point of view, I even said it to, to glow. I was like, it, is he mansplaining? Kamala, is he telling her that there's no racism in America? Are you kidding? I was like, that sounds tone deaf, right? In any other news cycle, in any other election cycle, that would have been over the top. And it was actually viewed as incredibly moderate for what happened before. So, you know, that was one of the, for me, the weird takeaways was, there wasn't a lot of substance, you know, they both had questions that were important that they were asked that they didn't answer. Didn't answer, right. But what they did get to was, was kind of this, we're going to hit our, the normal VP debate, right. Is the, it's kind of the attack dog of the, of the ticket, mm-hmm. right. Like I'm going to go and make kind of the salacious argument and, and kind of say, let's talk about how people should be worried about what you all would do. Um, and so they did that job, but they were also unfortunately meant to be the only adults in the room. Yeah. I, I, it was, I, a, it was, yeah. a, it was a weird, it was a weird debate for me. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's, it, it, it to me is, is a debate that, that, you know, had serious significance for a number of different reasons, but predominantly because of Pence running the, the, the White House COVID task force, you know, having a, a very unique leadership role mm-hmm. on an issue that is very much prominent. Um, and, and at that specific moment in time, incredibly prominent because the president mm-hmm. had COVID. And so, so I, I, you know, that just raised the stakes quite a bit. Um, so, so that made it, made it a little bit different. It, it drew an incredible audience, the second highest yeah. rated, uh, TV audience of any any VP debate um, worth noting uh, for for just a little bit of trivia uh, the three most watched the three most watched VP debates all included a woman as the VP right. Sarah Palin Kamala Harris Geraldine Ferraro yep. um, so um, so you know because just, you're watching history I mean at that yeah, point you are yeah. watching history absolutely and so um so so i thought that was but but in terms of in terms of a of a you know did we did it did it move the needle did it do much yeah. probably not i mean and again and, and and even if even if there was even if there was the moment you had the fly which then took over social media i did a thing on my show yesterday about the metrics of what right. was 
because I was, you know, I like to think about these things as there's the debate, there's the po- immediate post-debate spin room, and then there's the next 24 to 48 hours of what, what mm-hmm. content yeah. shared. Yeah. People talk about and the fly dominated everything. So people forgot whatever was said. And then Trump did his thing that morning about not wanting to attend the virtual debate. And so it just stepped all over the news cycle. People stopped talking about the debate altogether. Well, so you're you're walking us straight into fact four. Yeah, no, sorry. I didn't. No, no, no. It's perfect. It's the perfect segue. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, you said because nobody really, I mean, it was what it was. The VP debate was. Interesting. Um, I mean, I will say I kind of I did come out on Wednesday night saying I'm voting for Biden Harris because of Harris's participation and what Mm -hmm. she looked and what she did in that debate. Oh, I Um, thought she was great. She showed more leadership than all four than than the other three of them combined. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm I'm ready for President Harris. I won't always agree with her um, actually much at all. On some of the, the the domestic policy stuff, but her answers on China alone, her answers on foreign policy alone, were for this guy, one hundred percent worth worth listening to. So that was at least my takeaway. But um, and I think that Trump that was knew very impressive. Very I think Trump impressive. knew that more. We talked about the substance of it that that it really would be problematic, and so. There was that conversation that he had at a telephone interview with Fox Business. And so the fact four, right, is he refuses, Trump refuses to participate in a virtual debate with Biden. And he refused during an hour long telephone interview. Wild, wild day yesterday, Um, you know, refused and then asked the commission to move it. And then now is back to, well, let's keep the original date, which Biden's now given up and has accepted a. He said no. Yeah. He said no. He's like, you said you turned it down. So I went and did something else. You you start saying shit. We're going to start believing you. We're going to start taking you at your word. Sure. And, 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 and profoundly dumb politics on the part of the president. Absolutely. Profoundly stupid. Not only does it step on your news cycle of Mm -hmm. the VP debate, because there were some things, if you really think about it, that that Republicans could have made, could have made, I mean, look, you could, you can keep beating the drum on Amy Coney Barrett mm-hmm. and then bridge that to, are you going to pack the court? Which respectfully, Kamala didn't answer that question. And respectfully, Biden answered today by saying, you'll know what I believe after the election. Right. And so, which is sort of tinged to, or which is tied to, if you push Amy Coney Barrett through, right? where do you think this is headed? So, you know, there were some things they could have done that that morning that I think would have been helpful to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And instead, Trump, you know, Trump calls into Maria Bartiromo, who's basically a, you know, state news agent anyway now and 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 goes on this tirade. And then she asks him about this debate and he turns it down. Well, that becomes the immediate news. And then they there's this back and forth. And then finally he loses the debate, which means he loses. There were 73 million people who watched the first presidential debate. Yeah. You're not going to get that audience in any other setup. Who gives a damn if you're sitting behind a sitting in a behind a camera in the map room of the of the White House or whatever. Like it doesn't matter. It's the audience you're behind. You need this audience. I, I, I hear you. Jed, Jed, Jed and Lasagna Couture. Welcome back to chat. Um, Jed saying Trump shouldn't debate Biden virtually unless his campaign can have 
a person there to make sure that Biden isn't reading off a teleprompter. I mean, that, that's that been a longstanding thing, right, of check of, of the ear of the earpiece check. And I mean, look, I, I agree. I think that people, you know, may need to make sure that. You know the the debate questions aren't given in advance and things like that. But the commission has monitors. I mean, why? I mean, we it, either trust the the commission or we don't. Right. The commission, of course, would have a monitor there. They would know. They would approve the setup. They would sure. they would do all the appropriate checks. A, a you know it would you would agree on what the infrastructure was at both venues. And then you would have monitors there. And the commission exists for a reason. I mean, yeah. you either trust it or you don't. And, and if you don't trust it, then you don't participate. Right, exactly. Then you then you say, look, the system is what it is, and I don't trust it, so I'm not going to participate. Fine. If that's your perspective, that's your perspective. But we do have a commission for a reason. And And if you don't trust it, then you should be providing options on how to make that better. Because when you choose not to trust... From my point, right. I mean, I'll I'll just say when you choose not to trust those kinds of institutions, you run the risk of looking like Lukashenko in Belarus. You run the risk of looking like one of those dictators who's going, I don't really give a shit what you all say, because I don't if I can't control the narrative, then I don't want to be part of the conversation. And to me, what that it, it, it does show that that if you're not able to stack the deck on your own, you because you don't trust a bipartisan to do it. Um, I mean, physically, yeah, Trump could send a monitor out of the room, but the, but then the debate commission would say because of the rules that then it's out. Look, I mean, I mean, again, I mean, it just is. So either, yeah, you either have fidelity to the rules or you don't. It's what got Chris Wallace so hot after the first debate when the family wouldn't wear masks inside the hall. And the rule was, if you don't do it, if you won't wear your mask, the during the second debate, we're going to throw you out, which was right. annoying because Mrs. Pence got on stage not wearing her mask. Right. And and so, look, you're either you want the debate or you don't. And if and from my perspective, you're Donald Trump, you're behind. You yeah. need the audience. You need the debate. Yeah. You figure out how to make it work. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. Unless unless your doctor says you're too weak to carry on a 90 minute conversation right. because you know that he can't help himself. He'll get agitated. So, right. you know, I mean, that's the thing. And then in um, that context, you have a different conversation. It goes back to what we were talking about before in some of the earlier facts, Wade, which is you use COVID as a way to engender empathy. And you say, look, I'm not, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's very hard for a politician. I mean, there was a great West wing episode when, Arnold Vennett got a cold and, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, he has a cold. He might have to take one day off or two days yeah, off, but yeah. also remind people of his age. That's different than COVID. And mm-hmm. and I think COVID is just different. Um, and I think there, again, we've talked about it when we relitigate it, yeah. but I think there's a lot that they could have done that would have been interesting, but it starts, it goes back to the fact they won't disclose if Trump knew that he had COVID during the first debate with Biden. Right. They won't disclose whether Mike Pence had gotten a negative test before the VP debate with Kamala. Right. And, and now it's, they still won't say when was the president's last negative test. And so mm-hmm. I think there is so much that there's just no faith in what they're saying anymore. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, and quite frankly, at the end of the day, the CDC makes the rules. So, I mean, as people are, 
asking like what the penalties would be or whatnot, those would be baked into what the CDC guidelines are going to be for eat for that new debate. Um, lasagna, I'm not, I'm not ignoring you at all. Um, you know, she says, hi guys, happy Friday, happy Friday back. Hey, happy Friday. Um, for being here. Since we've had some time to digest the VP debate, what are our thoughts on Harris completely misquoting and mischaracterizing Lincoln and on the issue of Supreme Court picks? Um, I mean, Lasagna, I know you, you were there with us on Wednesday night for part of that, and, and you watched that with me and Glow talking about that. Um, you know, I, so you, you, you know my, my take on that. Um, I don't think Harris mischaracterized Lincoln at all. I think that there's a lot of misquoting of historical figures in this country for both good and bad. And I think, quite frankly, every single historical figure gets misquoted um, to suit any individual's purpose. I, I love into, um, I mean, he never said, so you dug into it. He never said anything that Harris cited him to say. And all I'm saying is I, I think that what people end up doing is they take these things. I, I love the, the old James Toronto from Wall Street Journal editorial board's line of he, he called in, in modern times, doubtification because Maureen Dowd was so good at using ellipsis to, <laughs> um, to change the intention and nature of yeah. a quote. Right. especially from an elected official from the Republican party. Um, and so the doubtification of, of mischaracterization of quotes, I, I mean, it's been happening forever. We're not going to ever get away with it, but I don't think her, her context of the characterization of Lincoln really wanting to, to talk about the issue of saying, you know, people have their people, should have their say. I fundamentally, you know, personally agree. I think that in 2016, that um, it was incorrect for Obama to have put a, forward a Supreme Court nominee because of an election year, but he did. And Democrats wanted to vote on that nominee and Republicans said no. Um, the issue I have is the hypocrisy now of Republicans saying that they want to do it and Democrats saying that you shouldn't. I think both sides have flip-flopped on that only for their own personal partisan gain. Um, you know, I mean, you, so Lasagna, I mean, well, we can agree to disagree. He's not alive. Lincoln's not alive. He can't tell us exactly what he meant. Um, you know, you, you you say he was glad to leverage the picks for his own campaign. It wasn't an act of fairness. He leveraged it. Well, when someone, I mean, we're now ascribing motivation to someone 150 years ago, right? I mean, I, th I think in the best way possible of saying the party of honest Abe, you know, wanting to attribute fairness to it. And I think that was quite frankly, her way um, hey, Garrick, Dax, welcome to chat. Thanks for the follow. Um, glad to have you join SourceStream. But I, I do. I, th I think that when you look at that, I, for me, I heard that as the way of saying um, Republicans were saying this four years ago. You're now saying not. And, and if you want to go back to the party of Lincoln being honest and fair and consistent, um, then you've jumped, you know, you've dropped down on the, the job. Granted, Democrats are the party of Jackson, who never was known as honest or fair. So, you know, I don't think that they, but, but they don't make the, they don't make the moral high ground argument all that often. 
Yeah, party so. of Jefferson too. So we'll I'm just, just saying. I, I I'm so, sorry, Blake. You know, I had to do my dig. I had to do my dig. Oh yeah, all all's fair when we're when we're when we're trying to rem, we're trying to re relive a time that that is generations old. But uh, exactly. But you know that's such as it is. I mean, that's just the the, the way of the world. And in politics, people will will they're going to cherry pick those moments and they're going to attempt to relate them and and. You know, that's and, just and that's going to be done on both sides. And, and I'm glad that you did dig into it. I mean, to me, this this also proves that it's incumbent upon the consumer of news to do their own research. I mean, what are your credible sources? What are your reliable sources? I mean, Lasagna, you took me to task on on my show last, you know, uh, earlier this week on on whether I was reliable or not. So, you know. Um, and yeah, lasagna is not shy. It's not, it's I, not I, I shy it. about, about about letting uh, I love let, letting letting me know letting me know either. So it's uh, right. I mean, and that's it's where great. We, it's great. Hey, it's why we're here. It's why we're here. One hundred percent. And that's why yeah. we we also want to engage the chat. So I mean, everybody. Yep. Yeah, we're we're here talking about it. As we've said, they're they're really three conversations. Whenever we do this, you know, it's us to you. And you back to us. It's us to each other. And and then you all in chat. I mean, yep. you know, all of y'all in chat talking to each other as well. And, you know, Blake and I have both been having some shows where, where we've just let chat just, you, you guys do your own thing. I mean, it's great. Yeah. No, um, it's, 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 and that's what makes the, look, that's what makes the platform dynamic. I mean, it also, it also affords to be fair. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. oh, Jed. Oh, oh. Jed. I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. So now that Wade wants the liberal member of the Senate to be president, are you guys going to look to add any shows with non-leftist tendencies? Oh, Or is that going to have to come from us in the chat? By all means, it's going to come from you in the chat. All I'm saying is of the people who are are running, Harris looked like the only leader. And like I said, I'm... Yeah, you didn't. You didn't pick the choices. I didn't pick the choice, and not for nothing, not my first choice. Well, none um, of them are your first choice. I mean, it's not. <laughs> yeah, stretch of imagination. Yeah, but so um, you're gonna hear. I, I think that it's also, quite frankly, really important to have people, you know, on the other side of the aisle who want to support a, a future president and say, "I'm going to hold you to task on." You said. I mean, Harris said in that debate. We will look across the aisle. We will work with, you know, with people to do bipartisan pieces of legislation. We have that history. I'm going to hold her to task on it. 100%. I'm going to hold. Right. But what I'm saying is I'm, I'm going to actually hold her to task. I Democrats didn't hold Trump to task on it. Republicans didn't hold Obama to task on it. But Obama never really expected to work across the aisle all that much because he was he was voted in from a anti-Bush rhetoric. Trump was voted in from an anti-Obama rhetoric. Um, the way that both Obama and Trump were originally voted in, in my estimation, was really kind of a way of saying we want to really double down on on core party principles. Well, and that's what makes this this um, Biden Harris ticket very interesting. And we've talked about the Lincoln Project, and we've talked about you know others, but. Wow, Garrett, you're, you're right. I mean, that, that is a very different Wade. The Roe v. Wade is a very different Wade than than this Wade, 100. Um, percent But he is building a different coalition, and it may be a governance first coalition. So we'll see. 
we'll, we'll see. I mean, and that's I'm all I'm saying is it, it was the one olive branch that I've heard offered from either candidate um, or either ticket. And in this environment, I got to grasp it, whatever I can to stay afloat. <laughs> Wade. Yeah. I mean, man, I mean, you are, it's, it's, I mean, from, from, from the guy who's like my, my party abandoned me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of left alone. I gotta, I gotta find, I, I, I gotta find the, 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 the place to talk about right of center politics. That's actually yeah. going to listen to. Yeah. We finally turned the Will Rogers quote on its head. You know, I'm not a member of a political party. I'm a Democrat. exactly exactly um so that that's where that's where we stand that's where we stand um so fact five is getting into all of this the u.s covid death toll is now more than two hundred and ten thousand people um and, and there was that conversation in the vp debate where i i think you know I, I go back and I've said this before. I, I love it. It's been a longstanding family, you know, line for us is, you know, there are three ways of, of, of lying, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can slice and dice the data all you want. But the question that was posed to Pence was not really, you know, the issue about going to 210,000 deaths and whether that number as a number was bad. It was the intensity, the in 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 the West, right? In this, in in the um, you know first first world nation or first first world nations, um, we have in the United States a higher percentage of COVID deaths per cases, and why? And that question wasn't answered. Not. We have more deaths and we need to look at the, the number versus that. And it's as a population, as a percent of the population, that was a question and it wasn't answered. The facts are terrible for for this administration there. I mean, it, there's just there's just no way around the the headlines in 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 this regard. And so the line of and I, I understand where Pence is coming from. But the line of, well, it could have been worse only works if you really if the public believes you did everything you could possibly do and they don't believe you. They don't believe you did. They don't they don't see leadership from the president. They don't they don't believe what you're saying and they really don't believe what the government's rolling out about the the president's condition himself. So if you're going to lie to us about that. What else are you lying to us about? And so I think it, 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 it for Pence, it, he's in a he's in a no win situation. I mean, mm-hmm. I, there was a point where I actually thought to myself, well, maybe he'll he'll use the, the the presence of the plexiglass as as a way to bow out of the debate and say, you know, the play into the age old Trump universe of the system's rigged. They're they're here to help the Democrats. This plexiglass is all about is all about. Um, you know, reinforcing that really this is only about COVID and your and so on and so forth. And as much as I don't agree with that line, I could understand them making mm-hmm. the argument. And I thought they might because Pence is in a he's there's no good fact for them. This closing the, the you yeah. know the airports, which that's been debunked. Nobody buys it. It's the only thing they hang their hat on, and it's not real. It has been 
it, it's not a thing. And so of you take that and then you extend it out to where we are today to the president mm-hmm. COVID-19. What is Pence has nothing to work with. Yeah. I mean, and look, I, I, I do agree with the move of shutting down um, air, air travel from mainland China, because we know that that's where the, the virus originated. Um, or at least that's what we know, given the facts at hand. It's right? not a, it's not that it was a bad decision. It's that a, it, it wasn't enough. And B, it came and it came way too late. I mean, and, and it was done after Italy was shut down writ large. So we were right. It took it's us already in a Europe. month later to have a conversation about the know, virus shutting down travels in, with Europe. Right. The virus was already in Europe. At that point, they're shutting down China. It doesn't, the virus has already migrated. It's already on its way to us. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's, and quite frankly, it was in December. Right. I mean, from what we're what we're seeing, the data points that we're yeah. seeing around the world, not just from the US CDC, not just from the WHO, but from every other individual nation that's actually sharing data publicly. Um, I, 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 you're, you're right, Lasagna. For every one of valid data points, there are th- hundreds of garbage sources and people lean heavily on what makes them feel good. Um, I think that, you know, unfortunately, you know, in this environment, we have so much information that misinformation, you know, we have the luxury, right, being able to provide um, information and misinformation and disinformation. Actually, misinformation, disinformation are very different. But, um, you know, it is incumbent, I mean, on on the reader, on the listener, on the viewer, on the consumer of information to, to look at the, the reliable sources. And we strive very hard to, to be reliable sources here, but also we're not journalists, you know, we we're commentating. Well, and, and, but remember, let's, let's focus on the people who are the new England journal of medicine, arguably reputable medical journal in the United States, perhaps even in the world issued a very damning response to the Trump administration around COVID. Um, what was it? Scientific American, or I, I forget, maybe it was was a publication for the first time in their entire 100 plus year, yeah. year history. And I may be getting the publication wrong, and I apologize if I am, but um, endorsing um, Joe Biden only on the grounds of COVID. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, let's, let's, let's just acknowledge what it is. And, and again, I would encourage everyone to read what the, what the editors of the new England journal of medicine wrote about this administration and their response to COVID. It is damning. And I, again, we're not journalists, but they, they know a lot more about this than most of us. So take it what it is. Yeah, I mean, and and again, if you don't find the New England Journal of Medicine a reliable source, then so be it. But um, I think at least most of us here do. So, you know, we'll listen <laughs> well, to I mean, it. If you don't find that a reliable source, then you're just arguing against, well, I mean, you're arguing against your own point of view. R- right. I mean, I mean, you're, you're, just, you're just simply saying they disagree with me, so so therefore I can't accept them as, as reliable. And oh, that's, that's the... That's that tribalism that we've got to get away from in terms of 
media sourcing. And we're trying to do here. Right. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And we're, we're offering where we come up with our sources. I mean, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the source stream name. I mean, it's exactly. baked into our brand. So fact six, uh, we're getting away from actually COVID itself to the impacts and repercussions COVID has into the United States. So Fed Chair Jerome Powell said that the U.S. faces tragic risks from doing too little to support the economy. Trump halted negotiations on a relief bill that same day. Now, we can talk about what he's done now. But right. The day that that was stated, Trump tweeted, I have I have instructed Mnuchin and everybody else to suspend conversations and negotiations on a relief bill. And he directed McConnell to not talk about relief bills and only focus on his excellent nominee for the Supreme Court. Another profoundly stupid political decision. The country overwhelmingly wants a COVID relief bill. The country overwhelmingly needs a COVID relief bill. There's only so much that that the Fed can do from a monetary policy perspective. And the the president's basically saying no more talks. Now, granted, we know now that he has he has attempted to, to reignite those talks, but it's just it, it, it's again, it's 48 hours of really terrible headlines when people need relief and doing it to say, I mean, what, what he's now come back and said, right, what which is um, I, I shut down those negotiations because they weren't getting anywhere. Now we actually have good negotiations. So I'm willing to have the con the conversation again. Well, it's the same damn people having the exact same goddamn conversations. Right. So, but when you say you're going to shut it down and, you know, I mean, look, we all want to, you know, he, he's very fond of saying Obama was, was horrible about not keeping his words and the line in the sand in Syria and the red line. And that, that didn't matter. Well, Trump came out and said that his 1.4 or 1.6 trillion number was the most he'd ever go. And he would never go above that. And the $2 trillion, the $2 trillion number from the, from the house was, was totally un, unrealistic. Now he's right. saying he's willing to go for a $1.9 trillion deal. So, um, uh, you know, I, again, it, it, yeah. the guy just gets in his own way. I mean, if you if you wanted a deal done, then you go get a deal done, which he should, which the it would have been brilliant on his part. And if you're not going to get a deal, by God, make it some, make it the Democrats' fault. Make it something. Um, I mean, you it's know, just yeah. Jed said he got politically played by Pelosi. I mean. I, I agree. Pelosi knows time. how to play this game, but good. Yeah, this is not the first time she has played him. You know, I mean, and she knows exactly what she's doing. And right. so when he came out, I will say, I thought that Pence had a great piece of ammo on debate night when Trump came out and said, I'm willing to sign a singular $1,200 per individual stimulus bill right now. Send it to my desk, Nancy. Are you listening? And Pence either wasn't reading Twitter or, um, you know, was doing whatever he was doing. Um, didn't read it and he didn't use it or he, probably more likely didn't believe that that was going to be the last thing that was done. And if he said something during the debate and Trump 
counterdicted that, then he'd look like he had egg on his face. Yeah. I mean, when when Pence can't trust Trump's own words exactly. to not be counteracted or countermanded during a 90-minute debate, that's scary. Well, right. I mean, and it's one of it's one of the pitfalls of 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 this entire campaign, because if you're going to change the dynamic, Pence and I talked a little bit about this on on my show as well, which is if you're Pence, you want to be able to come into that debate with something that you force Kamala to answer. Yep. And if it is the president tomorrow is authorizing the Senate to pass a clean bill. $1,200 $1,200 a person checks. Right. I've got the commitment. We're from, not picking and choosing winners in the industry. Yeah. We're not doing anything yeah. else. Every, they, every you want to talk about city. Americans. Yeah. Then, and, and the Senate's, the Senate's going to take it up tomorrow morning. And will you support it so that the house supports right. it? It's a clean bill. It would have been a, just a one great th- line. And, and, and at least force an answer that she's, she's in that moment. And it's and again, it's a debate tactic because right. obviously she hasn't talked to Biden about it, and they have no idea. And you know, maybe but they gain that. She actually is a sitting senator; she can speak her about her. Well, and her that's job. that's where the, you're exactly right. That's where the advantage comes because right. it's the the question that you frame it as is: Would you vote for it? That's right. You're said a sitting senator. Yeah. Can we trust yeah. you to do as I've would said before vote? on all of these? Um, yeah, you know when they were running for in the right. primaries, I'm like I can't especially Elizabeth Warren. I can't trust you to do the job as the president because you haven't done your job that you've been elected to do as a senator. Look, there's so much they could they could they could have done that they just they didn't do and I think you're exactly right. Wait, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. You cannot trust what will happen after the fact when Trump gets a hold of Twitter and or he gets on his own phone and dials into a talk show. Right. As he did on Fox. So you're right. Pence is thinking to himself, I've got two audiences here. Yeah. I, yes, I'd like to get reelected. That I've would got help. my boss. <laughs> I, I, like, I would like to get reelected and that would that would be nice. And I would like to do that without getting excoriated by my boss in along the way. Mm. But if you lose, I would like to have a political future. Yeah. And that's a that's a line that we haven't talked a lot about, but right. I could tell he was trying to balance. Oh, of course he's trying to balance. The problem is, um, well, you you, you guys go back and and, and watch that that VP debate commentary. I I, I had some. Please do. Yeah, no, we spent a lot of time on this. Please do. Please go uh, watch it. So that's what that is. But at the end of the day, what really matters here is to me, both Pelosi and Trump are playing chicken with the American economy at this point. I mean, they're. If, if Pelosi was saying, I'm willing to at least take the 1.6 trillion because it does something, right? Because it's not like it won't do anything. It might not do everything she wants it to do, but basically holding hostage the American economy, which is now going into its seventh month of and, shutdown. And this is... And this we're is, going into the holiday season. We're going into right? where mom and pop retail stores, Main Street America, independent small businesses that aren't SBA named like the 500 employees talk about the 50 employees and below small businesses, right? I mean, those are the ones who, if they don't get holiday shopping and they don't get to be able to get their economy going. Well, look, you and I have talked about a lot about how 
it is time for the government to do their job. That's and right. that's, and that, that is that I, I, I'll beat that drum all day long. I think separate where we, where we were several months ago from where we are today. Now you're in the, you're in the vortex of politics. Right. So nothing's going to get, we know that. And Trump made the, made the devastating error of calling off the talks, which was just so stupid. Saying I'm willing to say to the people, I don't care. Yeah. And now Pelosi's got all the leverage in the world. hundred percent. And so no deal is going to happen and they're going to, and the American public's going to punish Trump no matter what, no matter what they try and say. This is when, when except for those of us who are already primed to punish Pelosi, but well, yeah, we know your feeling, but the the the, <laughs> the, so Jed, the Jed, just so you know, I'm I'm always going to be that guy, <laughs> right? But hey, you know you're 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 you know you're entitled to your own opinion. That's what we love here at Source String. Um, but I think the I think the bigger difference is the Trump administration had more leverage. Early on, and if they had gotten a deal, even if it it goes back to something we've talked about before, even if it wasn't perfect for them, Mm -hmm. you take the victory lap. You solve the problem. You are solving the problem, and that's what voters want. That's what the people want. And that's where Trump just and his team let let way too much out. Even if you're giving something to the Democrats, guess what? You're the president of the United States. You got the bully pulpit. You delivered a deal. Take credit for it. Right. And if you're like, well, I don't love X, Y, or Z. Well, yeah, but you're going to like 80% of it. So we're going to go Trump it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, wow. Uh, do you like that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, like I've, I've been waiting for, for something yeah, like that to come from you, Blake. Yeah, there it is. It, it, yeah, you just got it. Yeah. Friday afternoon. I've Yeah. I need, I need to go back to bed. I need to go back to bed after that one. That was bad. I, I, I very rarely do I get speechless. Uh, yeah, that was bad. I need to go back to bed for that one. That was bad. I, I see it. I see yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, so does everybody else. And sadly. Th- but this is the and and it's not Mnuchin. It's not Schumer. It's not Pelosi. This is the Fed chair. You know, I mean, again, my libertarian friends say abolish the Fed. I get it. It maybe yeah. the time for the Fed in its current incarnation has passed. And we need to look in the 21st century for some different monetary policy structure. But, but this is the, but this is the hand that we're dealt with right now. You know, we have to live in it. Yeah. I mean, how can you make that argument though? I mean, not, not you, but but to the libertarians when, when it was the fed, when we made adjustments after the the financial crisis of, of 08 that would, and, and allowed in 08 and then into 09 to, infused capital, the Fed has infused significantly more capital mm-hmm. into COVID, and it, which is just mind-boggling because we lived through the 0809 and how terrifying it felt to everybody. And then we got some innovation from the Fed, which is a which was a bipartisan innovation. Yeah, it was. Which you'll remember that it wasn't the Democrats that ever voted down the, right. you know, it was the Republicans that no, you yeah. had to come along with, with Bush and Paulson. The Democrats yeah. were already there. No, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, well, because, and so, but if you remember too, that was in the post Dodd Frank world from post Enron and WorldCom disasters, where we were concerned, we from the Republican Party were concerned that there was way too much over regulation and tightening of bank ability to inject its own individual capital in lending to entrepreneurs. Yeah, um, but, and, and so, I mean, all, all, all I'm saying is that that's where that caution went. 
And here, nobody's remembering any of those lessons. Well, and and sometimes the simplest answer is the right one, which which in re and and when it's it's a different form. These are two completely different crises. They are. I'm just saying that's where the caution comes from. But I think what comes from. Yeah, but I mean, I I I think what you know what what Powell is saying in 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 his own way is people need cash. So this isn't, this doesn't need to be some complex lending program. This doesn't need to be something in the same way in 08 where the banks needed cash. They needed to be capitalized, whether they liked it or not, they needed money. And right now individuals and small businesses need money. That's what they need. Individuals and small businesses need relief. And if that's well, cash that's infusions or if that's saying, here's here's what we do to pay your rent. Here's what we do so that your interest isn't done. The, the, because it's in, all the same. Well, it, it, the only reason it's different from my point of view is that when you put the policy in place, you're setting a policy precedent that says that actually isn't necessary. You know, the, the kind of, of overt restrictions that we've put on interest debt to small businesses and the way SBA does its Byzantine loan program doesn't have to be that way anymore. You know, instead of just saying, we're going to give right people a check and you can do whatever you want to with it, which I, I also love that. But from the point of view of saying, if you want to help the structure and undergirding the strength of, of the economy, then you have to actually tackle the structural issues and and just papering over it with, with dollars it, you know, it, it's just treating, it's just treating symptoms, not the disease. Well, it, but it, 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 again, to make the COVID analogy, like you do have to treat the symptoms while you figure out how to treat the disease. And it, my point is, if you're a small business owner, you do have to keep the lights on. Right. You do have to fill your inventory and you do have to pay your people. And that's money. You're not not going to do those things if someone gives you the dollars. If you create a complex loan program where they've got to go to a bank where they don't have a banking relationship, where they have to do all of these other things to try and maybe get some money at some point in time, it makes it more complicated. So it, it exposes, in my mind, a a a significant weakness in the Small Business Administration in terms of what it's able to do. I, I agree. And, and, and S logo, welcome to chat. Um, that kind of terminology is where we do draw the line. So come back and say something else, um, without a, and, and w- without coming in and, and F bombing, you know, an entire group of people. So, um, but welcome to chat. We do want you to be around and, and be <laughs> part of the conversation. Um, but so no, I, I, I agree. And the, the, that is where I do get nervous, right? I mean, as the, as kind of the guy who does like smaller government and does like, you know, smaller government programs, um, the lo- the less the amount of bureaucracy, the better, because just give them the money, don't even give them, give them the money. Them the money but, but it, but unfortunately the way that if they're, if it's being, if the check is just being written, the question for me becomes, where is it coming from? Like where, what are we then not spending that money on? I mean, we're still, Gonna, there hasn't been any conversation that I've seen from either the Trump administration or OMB or the CBO, the Congressional Budget Office, saying, 
because of this unique position, we're going to reprioritize our budgets. So we're not going to have to spend, you know, or maybe we're going to say we're going to furlough 20%, not not of federal employees, but maybe the programs in like the, you, you know, Department of Agriculture or Commerce or, you know, whatever, Department of Energy. That stuff happens. And but when when can we just say, well, we're not going to have to, you know, because the, the line of argumentation always becomes, well, Democrats are going to raise taxes on it. And we talk about how tax taxes are different than tax rates are different than yeah, than tax course. paid. But that that's where I just go. I mean, if we just accept there, there is, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. There is a point where you have to just kind of do the triage, but if all we're doing is only going to triage, then we want leadership. I mean, and not for nothing, these people are smart. They know what the levers look like. They've been there for a long time. They know what those structures and systems could be. And we're, we're not asking them to actually put real, you know, I mean, look, I mean, I, look, I, I think reformists, I mean, where's the Rahm Emanuel quote, right? Why, why let a, you know, you can't let a a crisis crisis go to waste. Yeah. Yeah. This would have been perfect, quite frankly, from a Republican point of view to say, you know what? Byzantine regulations on businesses. We're going to revamp how SBA does its loan program. We're going to revamp how the Department of Labor does its regulatory regime. We're going to revamp how the Department of Commerce does its entire, you know, foreign commercial service in, in you know, economic zones um, and grants and things like that. We, we could have said, that's what we're going to do. But, you know, nobody took, I mean, I, that, that's... Well, I mean, but 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 you 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 would also agree this is not the this is not the administration that's going to have that kind of they can't take a scalpel to a system they don't understand. And I think the the while I I completely agree with Mnuchin you, understands that I well and and I think he's I think at least in to some degree, although not perfect degree, knows that we've got to get more money into the system. His problem from a credibility perspective was the first time we did this, he didn't want anybody to know where the money was going. Right. And so, and then we kept hearing all of these stories of the president's friends and people who weren't, you know, were patting their pockets or using it for, for none of the reasons that are right. I mean, my, my business, my small business didn't get it for eight weeks. We right. didn't I, get. Yeah. As much I lived, as we, I lived, we were supposed to get. I live down the street from Ben's Chili Bowl, an absolute institution in Washington. Absolutely. And and if and only until ABC News did a story that they were two weeks away from closing their doors mm-hmm. because they couldn't get they couldn't the get a loan. Finally, they got the money. But I mean, and, and they're thriving now in the context of being able to innovate during during COVID, thanks to, I think, a great responsiveness to D.C. to its small businesses. Right. But not everybody's that way. Lots of have closed. And so my point is, like, you know, it, it lends itself to this idea of, well, you got to know somebody. And and that's hard in yeah. in the world. And and so um, and so my point is just there's we need Main Street reform. I mean, that's, I mean, we need, or, or not reform. We need main, we need main street, street structural 
whatever, whatever we, we, we do. It. I mean, we, we need we need mainstream structural reform from the federal government. 100%. Yeah, to make it easier to get capital into these systems and into these businesses. And, you, you know, you just can't have the amount of closures that you have. I'm That's thrilled true. that big law firms are doing great. That's wonderful. I we saw that story in the journal. I'm they're not super thinking, thrilled about it, but well, okay. yes, it's, they're probably your lawyers. But it's uh, but, but 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 having worked in that environment, look, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled yeah. for my friends, and I'm great. But but they're a services business. They're not, you know, and and they've, you know, you you have to balance everything in the same way that we came out of. 0809, the big banks got huge cash injections. They didn't loan the money out. And right. so it's, I mean, that's and this the, is where I was hoping Democrats would get what we've got and just give people money. That's what they need. But I was hoping this is where Democrats, though, would find some religion to understand where the money comes. I mean, tax revenue comes from or government revenue comes from taxes. Right. And if you don't have people generating income to pay taxes, then you don't have the revenue to pay them back. So, I mean, you know, that, that's where I was like, I mean, other than just printing dollars from the Fed, which quite frankly, we're going to have an inflation problem that's going to come back and bite us in the ass if, if that's the only, if that's the only answer we have that just, we give people cash and we don't fix the structural well, I, issues, then, well, I, again, then we're going to be I, looking at a hyperinflation model well, in but the seventies. I, I think if you're, I think you're right. If only, if the only answer was monetary policy, right. but the, but the fed chairman is saying that's not the only answer. We have to have both and, and government Democrats would find that. Well, and, and so, so the question is, how do you find, I mean, there are a lot of different ways to find the dollars. We also know this administration and this Republican Congress doesn't seem to care too much about deficits. And so, know. you know, whether that's right or not, we can have that conversation offline. But the point is, <laughs> I think the money is there and you can you can get this done. We know the money's there in the budget yeah. somewhere. Um, we just need to find a day of moment where we just sit down and reprioritize. <laughs> that's exactly right. Lasagna. Yeah. Th well, th this is a great question. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll answer that after Blake, but I'll let um, that be kind of the end of of this fact and we'll go on. What's the major blocker here to you guys on getting the STEM bill passed? It's too late. The window. I was, I, I, I agree. It's the election cycle. The election is, is less than 30 days away. It's the too election late. cycle. Not we, we knew nothing was going to be done before the, before November. 3rd. We knew that's that why I mentioned if it was, if, if, if it was summer and Trump had used his bully pulpit in a different way, you probably could get a deal done, even if you had to bite something you didn't love. Yeah, but you could have taken that victory lap. But instead, they they dug in. And this and 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 for me, this is where I say pox on both their houses because they won't do it, and we know that they won't do it. But that's the world we have to live in. Right. We may get something in a lame duck Congress, maybe depending on the outcome of the election. So going to fact seven. Um. SCOTUS confirmed that mail-in ballots must contain a witness signature. This was a huge South Carolina huge issue, South Carolina. went to yep. the Supreme Court of the United States. However, they did codicil that and say ballots already mailed in must be counted. Um, Bonus points for you using codicil in that, in that effort. Yay. <laughs> yeah, there you go. As the non-lawyer, I always, always get Yeah, I was going to say, very impressive. Very impressive. Um, the codicil on that was. Um, 
So that was a, I mean, that was a Supreme Court issue. It was touted roundly by by the left as yep. a voter suppression tactic. Um, I'm not sure I. I'm not sure I buy that as voter suppression. I think that it's good governance to have verification, but that's just me. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean all, all I'm saying is I, I understand where that can be seen, but well, I, I mean, there's, but it's, you know, verification is always that, a good thing. Yeah. And then, then there's, we have the privacy envelope in, in Pennsylvania and there's some, some other things that are, that are, it's sort of a, you can think about it. We, we now know it in the context of, of online is two-step verification. So, um, and so the witness, you, Lasagna Couture, Blake, can you walk the, walk us through what, what the terminology means when it must contain a witness signature? Yeah. So, so, so the idea is that you, when you, when you fill out your ballot, you have someone who is witnessing you complete your ballot. So in the same way that people attest to wills and other types mm -hmm. of things, it's, it, 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 it so grows. it's like a non-paid notary. Exactly. So the, that's exactly right. So it's, you don't have to go have it notarized, mm -hmm. but you know, you have a will um, where it is witnessed. So it you witness the, you witness the person signing it, mm -hmm. which of course we always see their will contestations and everything else where it's like, you know, I don't, you made this, you made a codicil to your, to your, uh, to, to your last will and Testament. And, and then people want to know whether it's valid or not. So that's the idea of this. The problem with that is in this universe is people don't want to be around each other because of COVID. So it's not that it's all of the sudden a suppression issue because it's yeah. been on the books for a long time. And I think for, for, and again, it has Genesis in the way that we handle other formal documents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lots of things are notarized or attested yeah. to, or, you know, that's, that's not anything weird or, 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 sure. or unique. The problem in this instance is, is it, is it, should there be an exigent circumstance because of COVID? Um, if people are like, look, I don't want to, I don't want to walk my ballot over to my neighbor's house who doesn't want me there. And we don't want to be around each other and everything else. And I'm, you know, sheltering in place and doing all that stuff. So that's the, that was the, that's this issue. It's very germane to COVID. So does the witness signature have to be from a separate address or I mean, how do you verify that the witness? So I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to that, look. Because I think that that's going yeah. to be one of those things where if it's just a, a ticked box and you can just forward, you know, right. No, no, no. I mean, with your I mean, left hand or a different color pen. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I mean, obviously how do you verify that. I think there's, pro I haven't looked at the South Carolina ballot. So I, uh, my apologies and my lack of prep for, oh, for, nice. for the, for today's conversation. I haven't looked at the South Carolina ballot, but there's, there is going to be more than just a random signature. There's, there's going to be some way to validate mm. in the same way that when you sign a petition, yeah. you know, that you've got to give enough information so that people know it's not the same signature and the same, the same, everything that you're just, you're just opening the phone book and picking out a name and a, and a number. So right. um, there's, there's a, we've, we deal with this in various iterations and in, in government across many, many States. So, um, but it was, it, this comes from the idea of, look, I just don't, I, I, when I fill out my ballot, like I don't have to go be around another human being yeah. that I don't, you know, that I don't know. 
And because there's so many more absentee ballots likely to be filed, the person, you know, getting the absentee ballot has never dealt with this before. So it's mm. like, who do I, you know, why do I have to, why can't I just mail this thing in and, yeah. and, and, and it be okay if I'm a registered voter and I give you all of my information and abide by the rules, why does somebody else have to see it? And I think the, the secondary part of this is, well, it was such a rare occurrence that in order to prevent shenanigans, you add that in the same way that, you know, you do the secretary of state when you're, when you're presenting like a, 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 you know, a ballot initiative that's, that's citizen driven, you've got to present a ton of signatures. Well, you, you don't, you don't present the limit. You present significantly more because some are going to get knocked Mm -hmm. out because you can't verify every single signature. Um, And so, so in that regard, it was like, well, this is going to be a rare thing. So if it's rare, you're going to be able to, if you care enough, you'll be able to find a neighbor or friend or whatever mm. to attest to it. Well, COVID is very different. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so that's where, that's where the, the grounds for this comes from. I see. So do we think, though, what does this mean nationally for the future of mail-in ballots at large? I mean, well, it, it, it'll be interesting because, because the states control their their own their own voting processes. That's one of the things that I think, and it, 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 interestingly enough, people are, are kind of waking up to that. You know, Colorado controls how you vote, uh, well, and we and we've had mail in ballots forever. Right. So right. I mean, exactly. it's kind of we're all looking at each other, going, "Why does everybody think that this is hard?" Exactly. <laughs> so, and and Colorado is different than Arkansas, than is yeah. different than Washington D.C. And so, um, and so I think people are waking up to the fact that we really have. You know, when you when you just consider the the states, we have fifty voting systems, um, and that's that's more complicated than 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 I think people realize. So it's hard to it's hard to say. We have a ton of litigation around all of these various measures, almost all because of COVID, mm-hmm. uh, not because on their face that that they are that they are problematic, but because they they've required new analysis yeah. as a result of of the virus. I don't think this one case in it, it's what I would say it, in the state realm, one case does not beget analysis in in another case. I think right. the the Supreme Court is, you know, you've you you've allowed there's going to be mail in everybody in Montana is going to get a mail-in ballot uh, for the first time, which was just affirmed. I mean, there's, it's just. So, it, so really this is the Roberts courts reaffirming the 10th amendment, you know, states rights primacy, right? Yeah, I, I think, it, it, and again, I, I go back to, um, and it's what makes the Bush v. Gore, the fact that the court even heard the case mm. on its face different. I understand, I understand the reasoning. I mean, I get the, the equal protection argument. And so I, I know that that was probably a litigation mistake on, on the part of, on the part of the Democrats, they should have called for a full statewide recount because, mm. you know, and so you can get into the lawyering of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think that's, I mean, I mean, I, I would even argue very clearly that this, you have to consider on a, the States make the rules. So there's no federal override here. Colorado can decide yeah. how it wants its people to vote. And Arkansas doesn't have a damn thing to say about it, which means the federal government doesn't have a damn thing to say about it. Which 
means, though, that each individual state secretary of state actually is more important than anybody ever gave them credit for. Did you ever know who Catherine Harris was before? You know, I, I think we're going to hear a lot more of secre- from secretaries of state Absolutely you are. In, Absolutely throughout you are. November and maybe even December of this year. Well, and, and that's been one of the interesting things, too, with, with, with all of this, because states who have who who are mail-in states who have done it for a long time, you have Republican secretaries of states in some of those places yep. who are like, this is, per- we've been doing this forever. Right. Like this is no big deal. We know exactly so how to make this work. We know how to make this work. Yep. And so in other places, um, you know, you've had Republican secretaries of state say, we, we don't have mail-in ballots, but we have an absentee system. Mm-hmm. Now we may have a, you may have to, we may have what's called an, you know, you have to, you have to have an excuse but in Alabama, for example, a blood red state, nobody's yeah. no Democrats. Well, I, I wish Doug Jones would win, but I, I'm afraid he's not going to. Um, but the point is, there the Democrats and the Republicans got together and and said the the excuse is the existence of COVID. It just exists. So if you want an absentee ballot, you get you, you have to request the ballot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can show up at your county clerk's office. You can request the ballot. And all you have to say is an excuse is COVID. Well, you don't even, uh, all you, they already checked the thing for you. Oh. I mean, it, there's a the, great, there's a great quote from a, from a county clerk. That's a it's pre-existing so, condition so, for ballot. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like, it, it's really funny. I mean, I'm going to paraphrase, but something effect of, well, you're, you're supposed to say you're, you're not able to vote out of, out of, out of, uh, out of a public health interest, well, you might get COVID or something. So <laughs> it's the idea that you could get, sure. it, but you vote in person and, and then just turn the ballot right back in. Yeah. And they issued a joint statement, the chairs of both parties to, to do that. So, I mean, there's, the, again, there's a lot of this that's wrapped up in, in, in more nonsense than it needs to be. You know, what's interesting though, you, you make a really in, neat point of, for a segue that, there's some ballot initiatives in multiple states that are going to be changing how they individually inside of that state vote. Yeah. Um, Florida is going to be having a jungle primary. They're going to be, uh, Alaska is looking at a four tier ranked choice system. Um, by the way, guys, actually the Florida ballot initiative is on our source stream 50. Yep. So, you know, if you all haven't checked out that we actually look at, we have 50, of the most important ballot initiatives and races that that we think are are happening for this election cycle. So check that out. Um, we actually have some justification for each one of those, why we rank them where they go. But it's a it's gonna be a, a big deal. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean Florida felons can vote now too. Uh, yep. Lasagna Couture says, you know, that was a big deal in Virginia a number of years ago. Right. Um, and so there's going to be a lot of that conversation in a state by state way. And we'll see what, you know, what, whether there's any major tidal wave that more states go to that. Exactly right. Exactly right. So that is that being said, let's talk about the national side. Fact eight, uh, the Biden Harris ticket, since I don't like saying Biden anymore because Harris is. <laughs> We didn't know you had such a crush. Now we. I, I didn't either. <laughs> um, and and it's not even a great a great crush. It's you know I'm listening to my friends who, you know from from the left who who are saying you know, yeah. voting isn't a Valentine. You know you're not getting married. You're just it's more like public transport. You're yeah. voting for somebody who's going to get you to where you want to be. And 
and maybe I'll jump off at the next stop. But but at least this is a direction that that, that Harris has given me that I, I might say that. But um, so the Biden ticket holds a point six a plus sixteen point lead nationally as of October sixth in a CNN national poll. That's a big number. I mean, I, 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 you know, I'm naturally suspicious of, of numbers that, that big, um, which yep. just not were there's, I mean, that's a historical I was like, that's a landslide. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not even a land. I mean, that's a tsunami by I mean, that's way esque. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're getting into, you're getting into at that point, you know, the potential for Biden to, you know, to win Montana, to win Texas, to win uh, a congressional district in Nebraska, to win Iowa, to win Ohio. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a that's a big number. It's a and, big deal. And 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 I, you know, I it's we talked about this earlier in the show. You know, it's normally that we see polls tightening. This thing is not tightening, and so. Yep. I don't, it's so weird because I come back to, we knew 2016 was going to be close, but you still had Hillary in this plus two, plus three, plus four um, advantage in swing states. And, and so you thought, yeah, it's going to be close, but she's, you know, she still, she had a national advantage, won the popular vote, but lost the electoral college. So I, I, I don't know if it's, if it's my own just sort of, you know, my barometer just being recalibrated to, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but that's a huge number. Um, a, any double digit lead, whether it's 10 to, to 16 is, is extraordinary at 27 days out and people are already voting where you have 6 million people who voted, which I know we're going to talk about, but yeah, it's like, yeah. I mean, I think that that's, It, I, yeah, I, I get Smart. nervous when I see these numbers, and you have to wake up from the idea of really—is it that significant? I mean, yeah, I mean, and and I feel like anytime I see something like I go, well, there there goes CNN proving a political bias, right? I mean, it's going that that can't be fathomable. From I mean, is their poll sample just the people that? that they're asking, you know, in friends and family in CNN, which we know is overwhelmingly Democrat. I mean, I, that, that's where I just go. I, it's hard for me to believe these numbers. Well, I, I think, that, I think, I think a couple of things are, are, are right. I mean, I mean, it's just, again, with everything that we've seen over, over the course of elections, not, not any, we haven't seen, we have not been, I mean, it, it has been since, 1984 since we have seen such a significant blowout uh of a of a presidential in our in our life yeah yeah I mean, living memory for us right? and, and we, I, we weren't old enough to understand what any of that meant in at that time anyway so you know Speak we're not yourself i was a savant at six years old there you go well good for you <laughs> I'm, I'm proud Seven. no um anyway i was i, I had was no trying. idea I was trying to make a jump shot. So it was, um, but my, but the, but the point is like, we're used to, to butter and jelly sandwich. I couldn't even go outside. We're used to elections being close. That's right. 
I mean, we really are. I mean, I mean, and so especially the most recent elections. I mean, 2000 was close. 04 was close. Mm-hmm. 08, not terribly close. 12 close. 16, very close. And let's be I honest. Mean, what this- so it's weird for us to come to come to terms with the fact that as everyone telling us the nation is so polarized and so tribal and so committed to their party, it just can't be right that there's this big of a gap. There's, but it may be right that there's this big of a gap. It might be, but what because it also means... I mean, well, well, I was about to say what, what it means right. is you have a significant amount of defection right. in the Republican Party. Like, party line voters, right? I mean, Romney was unfortunate about saying his 47%, but, but we know that part that there, that there's 45 to 47% of the, of the electorate that just votes party line. And we know that that's really kind of where people identify. And so we've always said you battle for that moderate vote. You battle for that 6% to 8%, maybe 10%. Um, vote. So you're now battling not just for the 10% of you've got a hundred percent of the independents, the unaffiliated registered voters, and you've got six more percent of registered Republicans voting for Biden. And then you have all the young people who have come of voting age yeah. since Trump was elected. Oh, I mean, but what I'm saying, but, but they, but, but party line affiliation still you know, sits right. at 45 to 45, per, you know, 45% pretty much registered. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I understand your point. So yeah, but I mean, I, you're, you're, you're assuming that that's going to go away, right? That that's one fundamentally shifting. And, and if that was that huge of a fundamental shift, I think you're right. We wouldn't have seen all of this continued conversation of divisiveness. But it, it look, I mean, it, this may just be, I mean, again, we're not going to know till till the till all the votes are counted. Right. But but look, this may be that moment where people who gave Trump a chance left for whatever reason. Right. Traditional Lincoln Project Republican, you that right. that group says, I want to reset. Yep. You've got more young people coming into the election who feel more enabled because they also feel less sure yep. where they are in the world That's fair. and jobs and COVID and, and college not being what they wanted it to be and everything else. And so they're, they're going to excise that against, against the president. You can, you can make a credible argument that the deficit is this. I think our problem is our inherent bias. We're just, we are not conditioned me yeah. and you yeah. it, as voters. We've seen this we too many times. Yeah. Used to elections being damn close, yeah. And if we've not, we haven't lived through a blowout, so it's it's gonna we're gonna feel a little different about you it. You know what's interesting about that too, as you say that, it, that almost on some level, buy, you know, it kind of buys into this idea that a blowout is unbelievable. So therefore, it might be incorrect. Right. I mean, there's going to be something, uh, there's going to be a line of argumentation from that area as well. Right. I mean, if it's so overwhelming that it's not a referendum, it's going to be a, that's a clear example of, you know, Trump 
was right. I mean, you know, he's, you know, it's funny because we, you know, you forget that a landslide is just 60, 40. I mean, it's not, it, you know, it's not 90, 10. Yeah. And so, you know, if you're, I mean, if you're anywhere above, you know, in the double digit realm, it's a landslide because mm -hmm. you're going to, you're going to win all the electoral votes or it's going to look huge, even though it's not, you know, it may go from 3 million in the popular vote to five and a half million yeah. in the popular vote this time. But that's still a landslide based on the way the system is set up. And so, you know, I, I'll be interested to see how all that gets positioned. We know what Trump's going to do. So. Right. Lasagna Couture says, so if this plus 16 is wrong, can we throw the playbook out already and everyone in the media gets canned? <laughs> I, 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 I will say this is, I mean, this is a singular poll. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, look, it's what it, look at the trends and the trends are very much against Trump. Mm -hmm. It may not end up being 16. It could be 12, but 12 is a landslide. I mean, this yeah. is not this is not what we're used to, which is you start at you start at six and it gets to three. Yeah. And that's what we've seen in ev almost every election. Um, with the exception of 08 mm -hmm. uh, in our voting lifetime mm -hmm. um, and it, and even before. So I think the, the, that's the difference. I mean, we're just, we're just used to very close elections. I, I mean, at, at this point, there's no spoiler even, right? I mean, Bernie nope. could have come in and run a third party and with a plus 16, that wouldn't have even been a spoiler. Nope. And, I, and and again, it's not to say that this thing is done. I think there's no there's no variable, a la a Nader 2000, right. a la Jill Stein 2016, a la Perot 92, a la. I mean, there's yep. just there's there's no there's no thing out there that right. you have to consider. We haven't had in a you know in at least from 2016 to now, something that we have to consider beyond the two candidates. Yeah. And that's just, that's a different, different posture than four years ago. It is. It is. Um, if Trump wins, can we agree everyone in polling and media quits? The, they have, they have to pay their bills too. I don't, you know, I mean, yeah. The, the I mean, thing about politics or one of the great bizarre things about campaigning and politics and all this stuff is, you know, you get paid regardless of whether you were right or wrong. You know, <laughs> these people, they're, keep they're, their we, we, know, we know a lot of millionaires who've never won an election. That's right. That's right. A lot of millionaire consultants who've never won an election. So Man. there you go. Yeah. That being said, we know, well, I mean, if those are millionaire consultants who've never won an election, you got fact nine, which is 840,000 Americans filed for unemployment last week. Maybe some of those polling and media people might be filing for unemployment in a month. Who knows? But it is the seriousness of this is it's the 29th straight week of the highest weekly uh, single week unemployment claims since 1982. So we can talk about, you know, the fact that unemployment has gone down and we're at 7.9% or 7.2, depending on which you know, report you're looking at, but it was 15% in April. And we're looking at the fact that this is on average, the five-year weekly average for this was 857,000 Americans filing first time weekly 
on uh, the new unemployment claims that week. Um, U3 is a useless stat. U6 is dropping greatly, Lasagna Couture says. Um, armed Armchairs or people with an axe grind use, use U3. That's fair, except for the fact that you also are, are looking at the fact that you have a ton of people outside the labor force who just are refusing to even show up anymore. Well, and, I mean, and we can. We have 15 million people doing this. I mean, that's not. I'm, I'm not using this as an axe to grind. I'm saying that this is a data point that's not that's not well, I mean, unrealistic. Or more more than that, who've been out of work for for six months. Or I mean, lows don't count in that number. I mean, people who just gave up and just that's, quit. You know, whatever. I mean, look, I I come at this from a I, from a human perspective. My heart breaks. I mean. It breaks, and and I this wish this isn't a, a lie or a damn lie, lasagna. That it's a fact. You can agree. yeah, you fact. use I mean, your U six if you want, but I feel like that's used as a statistic well, to make people feel better about them own, their own selves. And and look, this is this is the raw. These are people number who are actually filing. Who walked in and filed for for unemployment benefits. It's not it's not up for debate. The question is how much do you how much significance do you give to it? Right. Fine, you can you can attach whatever significance you want. Those are the fact that people are in despair. They're in economic despair. And and, and our greater numbers for longer periods of time than ever in before. the past 40 years. And and our government regardless of party is not doing anything about it. And right. that is heartbreaking it is heartbreaking that that as a result of circumstances beyond anyone's control and i've said this many times no one is to blame for the existence of the virus everyone is to blame for our response to the virus if you're in a position of power and 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 that starts with donald trump but the point is solve the problem guys solve the problem yeah. we, we we we've all been in business we've all been in government We've we've all looked at a circumstance and said, what is the issue and how do we fix it? And that is what is so frustrating and is so sad because these people are like they're they are walking into to the worst moment of their lives economically through no cause of their own. And the government is doing nothing. Yep. And it just is heartbreaking the hard part for me and i i 100 agree uh, the piece that makes it even more heartbreaking or at least heart-wrenching for me is um this is the one where we all agree right i mean it's a round and round we go and nobody looks like they're actually caring i mean you guys have, on who've seen me do the below the fold pieces on this i i i mean it it's hard. It breaks my heart. I mean, I, I'm, we're, we're having a really, really hard time running that. And I mean, I, you know, I, I do this show, but you know, my day job is running a small business and it's a distillery and it's great, but can't sell shit, you know? And, and I'm not, I'm, I'm a, I'm a little frustrated and upset with my governor. I'm really frustrated with my mayor, but, and I'm really frustrated with my president, but I'm also really frustrated with Congress because again, Nobody's talking about the structural reforms. Uh, Jed, you've heard me say it. Nobody cares when they when any of the politicians now say, "I'm looking out for a small business." Th they don't care. 
you know, they want to give money, you know, individually to people because that's how they get votes. That's literally kind of the legal way for them to buy votes, but they don't care about the economy. They don't care about how the businesses work and survive. And that's the hard part. I, I agree. Pelosi doesn't care. She'd rather beat Trump than help people. Trump would rather beat Biden than help people as well. It's all um, politics. I mean, we're all, all, it's all politics. Th this is one of those things where, you know, I just, the, yeah, I see people in my, in my friends and my industry and colleagues who we talk every week. How long can you go on? When are you going to close your doors? Right. It's not an if, it's a win. And yeah, Jed, let's talk campaign finance reform sometime. I'm more than happy to talk about that. I, I'm all for it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that on below the fold a lot by them, by all means, jump in. We'll, we'll sidebar that. Um, you know, this is, this is when it's why I went back earlier on, you know, Blake of, of saying it's one thing to just give people checks and I get that and that people are hurting, but you know, I, people want to work, you know, I mean, the whole, the thing here is people do want their jobs back. Yeah. And, they, and so if you, but if we don't protect the companies that are going to be employing them, yeah. then all we have is an Andrew Yang UBI problem. And well, but, but again, this, this goes back to your, to your analogy of, you know, you, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta plug the leak and then fix the boat. And so the, the, the first step is plugging the leak. And, and I think that's where you begin. And then you, there's no, I, 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 it drives me nuts when I hear these talking points of we're not going to, we're not going to give people cash because it's a disincentive to work. That is, that to me is so offensive. There is nothing, uh, there's nothing true or right about that. Over but the if past people, six months, it's proven that that's not right. Yeah. And if, but, but the thing is, you, you, if you're, you know, if you're a bartender and there's no bar to tend, and that's your, you know, that is what you've done for whatever period of time. What do you, what's the ask of government mm -hmm. to, are you supposed to try and rep, how do you reposition in COVID? Yeah. Honestly, like yeah. how do you reposition? And so, and so we're going to punish you for deciding, picking a profession that got totally fucked during COVID. And, this is where both sides get upset when people say you're picking winners and losers in the industry. And I'm like, of course you are. Anytime you do these kinds of things, of course you are. So, I mean, just give, give the business owners the ability to kind of like structure. Well, we, know, we know the restaurant industry got disproportionately hammered. That's a, they didn't do anything. It's not like big banks where they created risk systems that then afforded the, the, the nonsense that we have, they built restaurants, they right. built distilleries, they built, yeah. they built these things. People don't, not every restaurant is in Southern California. They don't all get to be outside exactly. 12 months out of the year. And so we're getting 12 inches of snow by Monday. I mean, exactly. We're like, 
Yeah, everybody's got to. I mean, it's indoors. It's been, and not every not every restaurant is La Bernadette in New York where they can spend millions of dollars to rebuild their HVAC system. So we've talked about this before. Yep. If you want, if if you want to do something different, then offer a a buyback, a, a rebate program. If you rebuild your HVAC system, the government will pay you back. If give cash to the business and let them spend it however they want to spend it on, you know, in yeah. terms of doing this. But th- the point is you, we are so punitive yes. to specific people. And I don't understand why I don't understand the punitive nature of American life. And it's I, I, that I've just never, I've, I, I can't, I, I don't I, get I've, it. I've said it before. Um, I feel like Democrats are naturally inclined to use taxes and regulations to punish people who don't vote for them. And Republicans are naturally inclined to use taxes and regulations to, to kind of sidebar and bolster their political supporters. And, and unfortunately what happens is when you, and I, I believe that because that was when Democrats were running the Congress for so long and holding powers of, of taxation and regulation. But you know, it's whenever people get that power, they wield it to punish their enemies and support their friends. And, and at some point, you know, it, then it, the, the question is, all right, well, shit, if I'm gonna, I've got to choose an industry that I'm in, and then I've got to make sure that only the people who like my industry get elected. Well, then I'm not, that's scary. I mean, you know, that's, I mean, to me, government shouldn't be the dictator of whether you're happy or comfortable with your life. It should be an enabler to make sure that you don't go off the guardrails. Well, and when you're in a, when you're in a, 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 a once in a lifetime, perhaps once in a generation pandemic, step up, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and, and help people. And I think that's the frustrating part of all of this is that people don't feel like that their government is looking out for them. They yeah. feel like they're just looking out for their friends. That's right. And for 1% and keeping them happy and healthy and, and high on the hog. Right. And, and that's, that is just way too bad. Yep. On both Not, sides. Yeah. And All that's, around. So that gets us to fact 10, which is kind of this, though you said, I mean, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime, once once in a government or once in a generation, but thing, but it is fundamentally changing regardless of how COVID plays out, when it plays out. Um, you know, it's fundamentally changed a lot of the way we live and operate and work. And fact 10 shows that, uh, automobile miles driven in the United States are down 13% from normal, which is the, the average from last year, from 2019 and 23% of employees continue to work from home and are saying that they will continue to work from home, even if, you know, even in a post COVID environment, there's a, there's a really kind of phenomenal metric shift in this, right? And is it tech and some of it's driven by technology. Some of it's driven by the technology we're using now, right? I mean, that's light that you can have the ability to interact in zoom calls and live stream and, things like that. Um, But I think there's also a large degree of people who had for our lifetime, right? Um, The Gen Xers were very comfortable doing what what we called um, 
commute communities, right? Yep. And, and there were some some of these small towns around urban environments that were built up because people didn't want to live in the city for whatever reason and um, or couldn't afford to or whatnot. And so there were these small home communities that, that people were commuting into the city, commuting back out. Um, and now people are actually living in their communities now. They're not, they're not commuting as much. Um, this miles driven really is a commute number. It's not a ton of, you know, it's, it's not the summer, you know, take your, your road trip vacation miles. This is when you delve into the numbers, when you delve into the Tom, Tom congestion metrics and you delve into, to where gasoline is actually being purchased and spent, um, this is commute driven. Um, almost exclusively at this point. Yeah, we, uh, you know, this is the, we're at this moment where there's a fundamental shift in the nature of work and, and, and where that work takes place and, and how it functions. And I think you have a lot of people who are going, who are in the context of this pandemic, figuring out I can live where I want to live. Yeah. And then I'll work from where I live. I don't have to, right. I don't have to manage the commute anymore yeah. because my work wasn't predicated on me actually being in an office. It was predicated on a historical norm of me being in the office. And the way and, teams collaborate and, and the workforce yeah. and right. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there are a lot of production companies, uh, CCR says, especially in animation that are just moving to work from home indefinitely. You know, when you hear people like JP Morgan saying that 25% of their office space isn't going to be used anymore. I mean, kind of the blue, the bluest of the blue chip kind of put on the suit and tie, go to the office, you know, live in that world. That's part of kind of the, the grandiosity too, of you can, you show people where you're working, you know, (laughs) You're putting on right. your Armani suit and you're walking into to Goldman right. Sachs. You're walking into yep. this and you're showing people where you live and where you work. It's a big deal. Um, well, I think too. I think too. Even even you know. I think Twitter has said, you know, they're not sure when they'll, you know, if they'll ever come back. Yeah. Um, and, and and so I think next gen. I mean, well, look. I mean, hey, like, you know, I, I, I we've never just, met. We've never been in the we've same. Never room. met in person. In yeah, the same our room entire, for this whole thing. formation of source stream was virtual. 100%. Everything we have ever done is 100% virtual. We have never been in the same room ever. ever. And, and so for anyone who says you can't exist virtually, wake up. Anyone who says you can't build a company virtually, wake up because we've done both. It's hard, and, but it's doable. It's very hard, and 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 I don't presume that that this is one of those things that's that that anyone else who's sorting through their challenges thinks is easy because it is not easy. But my point is that it is changing the nature of work, and people are adapting, yes. and they're also deciding. I, wait, I can actually bridge work and lifestyle in the same way that people were. You know, there was an urban movement to people moving into the city. Because they were, they got all the amenities of urban life, Lock scores and everything, everything else, and they could walk to work or you know jump on the subway or whatever. 
But people who are suburbanites who want to live out in the suburbs and have, you know, that experience, but who have to work in the city now are thinking, well, I don't have to deal with an hour long commute. That's right. I, I really don't. Um, so to your point about shaving off mileage, that's exactly right. Um, and, uh, and I, I just think the fundamental nature of work is, 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 it is changing and it will be forever changed as a result of this. What, what I'll, what I'll end with on, for my kind of point of view on this, the takeaways were, was that it's not just a, you know, the fundamental nature of work, but it's going to demand and a new infrastructure development on getting internet access to the last mile to people. Um, So if people want to work from where they live and people want to live in a place that makes them happy and comfortable and healthy as part of their lifestyle, then, um, then we're going to have to also make sure that, that we spend the right public private partnerships, the right government infrastructure, you know, needs on, on making sure that we maybe re- reassess how we look at, you know, highway transportation bills as information superhighway transfer, you know, transportation bills. You know, I mean, we're going to have to put in a lot more energy and, and resources into to putting, you know, high-speed internet in a lot of places that didn't have it. Yeah, I mean, I I think you you've seen, we've seen some initiatives for rural broadband and and other things, but but that's that's the kind of that's the kind of infrastructure investment that, yeah. quite frankly, you would have hoped would have happened during Infrastructure Week uh, during it's- the during the last four years, but we never, we never saw. And we've talked a lot about that in just the facts and you can go back and look at those and what we wish were had happened and what we hope might happen in the future. So go back and and watch if you, if you're so willing to, (laughs) to our diatribes on, on infrastructure weeks in the past. Um, And Jed, you, you make a really good point. I think the long-term consequences of decreased interaction will be profound, Jed Crest says. Um, you know, that's always been this conversation. Any new, um, any new technological advancement, the question becomes, how do you handle a disconnect, a, a increasingly interpersonally disconnected world? And what, and what does that mean? And how do you find that connection? Um, I'll use that actually as a great segue to a new show that we'll be getting um, and launching on SourceStream and a in the next couple of weeks, Natalie Cordone will be hosting a show called State of the Arts and the connectivity of arts and, um, and performance in a virtual world now in COVID. But what does that mean for the future of, of the arts and how performance works? So um, make sure you check that out. She'll be talking a lot about certainly the, uh, the issue of connected performance versus disconnected performance and and I think that that that's going to be a great conversation to be had here. Um, yeah, it'd be great. I'm I'm, thr- I'm thrilled for the show. I'm glad you brought it up. And it's one one of the things that's also very interesting about about uh, one Natalie as a performer, which is just really really pretty exciting. She's she's lived this world and um, and is and is and also an, we're just adding to the to the Wake Forest Mafia. I I, I love it. Yeah, you you believe Seku. It's your, 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 we're, we're overpowered here. Um, hey, but it, no, but it's worse people to be overpowered from. Hey, no, no, we're, 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 we're it's all good. We're um, 
Yeah, yeah. Golden Black now out, outnumbers the the Arkansas. The, the red and white, yeah. <laughs> we'd have we'd have we'd, we'd control that for a while. But no, this is it, it's such an interesting thing because it this is one of those this is this is a program that that I'm I'm also equally thrilled about because we're going to be talking about you know human connectivity, the arts, what the arts mean for 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 our daily lives, but then also you know how the arts function. In, in the context of a pandemic, we just saw, for example, that Broadway is staying dark until at least June of 2021. What does that mean? What does that mean for, mm-hmm. for people in the industry? What does it mean for the city of New York? What does it mean for people who are, who've built their careers around, you know, this industry and, 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 and do other theater conglomerates? I mean, Broadway being its own thing, but the Kennedy Center, all these other things. What happens next? What are the ripples that come from that? How do you assess, you know, uh, National Endowment for the Arts funding? How do people work? How do they live? How do how do creators, you know, move beyond just a a draft to a you know to a home, an incubator to mm-hmm. to bring their life? I think it's going to be fascinating. I'm I'm thrilled that that Natalie's coming on board and 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 love that you brought up the show. So that's well, I'm glad that Jed actually gave us the opening to bring it up. So, whether you meant to or not, Jed, I, I'm giving you credit for that one, which is interesting, too, though. And it gets us to our bonus fact of the week, which was that a new study shows reading too much political news can be bad for your mental health. It kind of <laughs> chagrined us, right? Because that's what, what we do here, except for the fact that I think reading. I'll, I'll, I'll parse this out. Reading political news in a vacuum, right, by yourself and you read it and you get frustrated, um, can be, you know, it, for your well-being and your mental health. But I think being able to have a catharsis of talking with other people in real time, you know, explaining it, having different points of view, being challenged, that kind of dialogue I think actually is is very different than just reading it um, by yourself in a vacuum, and then it, because that gets your brain going. Well, shit, I'm going to just go down a rabbit hole of the world is dark and horrible, and this must be all there is. You know, yeah. I, I listen to exactly. listen to politics right here on yeah. Source Stream. Well, or or and 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 it's one of the things that 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 we've talked about in this endeavor that we're again we're. We're trying so many new things, um, but but one of the things that we want is to build community here, where people feel like they've got a forum to come talk about their perspective. It doesn't matter whether we agree with it; that's not that's not the point. But to be able to do it in a way where it's it's spirited, it's thoughtful. You're not obviously going to get going to get banned because you you don't express a you know, you don't express an opinion we agree with, you can get, you know, bounced for, for, for other reasons, but, but not because of that. And so because Jed just said, why do you think I'm here? I need to hear the democratic socialist perspective. Thank you, Jed. Thank you. That's lovely. Love um, and so all the feels man, all the feels. Yeah. But, but no, but in all seriousness, like you can't, it, it gets, it gets dark and gloomy. If you don't feel like you have a community that's where right. you can come and and talk about this stuff and, and, you know, one of the eye-opening things to me as we've begun source stream Wade is is how many people have come into our chats 
with the first question of if I disagree with you, am I going to get banned? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've, I've obviously spent a lot of time watching other political chats and other things where that is exactly the first thing that a lot of a lot of hosts do. They're they're like, I don't want to debate. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear a different perspective. I don't want to learn from you. And they right. ban people left and right. And that is so dispiriting. Yeah. And and so I, I, you know, I get it. It's all anxiety inducing. All of it is whether, I mean, and I think that's for everybody, depending on how, where, right. where you layer in the, 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 con, you know, the, the, the issues. But I do think that we are a place where you can come and have that conversation and feel like you're a part of it. And we'll look, we're not going to be perfect, but we're going to do our absolute best to, to create that community and, you know, look, help us. I mean, you know, bring friends to that community. I mean, let people know that this is a place where they can come and be a part of that conversation. And, and you don't, again, it's not about agreeing with us. It's about feeling like you've got a place to come just sit and talk. It's like a dinner party. Just like you said, you had a debate watch party. You had a great debate watch party with glow and you, you just, we're just learning to do it all virtually. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And, you know, and, and that's also, a, we, we also don't want to be an echo chamber. You know, we don't want to just be reading the same news, the news from one point of view. And I feel like a lot of people just read what kind of reinforces their, um, you know, their current bias. And we do like to challenge ourselves and challenge each other on, hey, does that make sense? And, um you know, it's a, you know, that, that, that's just a thing. I mean, change is hard and political change is incredibly hard, but, you know, we can all just sit, sit around and we know, we know where to go. Everybody knows where to go to find information and news that's going to, you know, conform to your bias. It's when you start listening to people explain their different points of view um, rather than just reading the headline going, oh, okay, well, that must obviously be, you know, the democratic socialist or the the racist misogynist bigot or whatever, right? I mean, you're hearing people unpack the, the whys and the wherefores of, of the political opinions. And, you know, and we're not here to necessarily change anybody's minds. We're here to make people understand why you actually believe what you believe. And, and to create discourse. Absolutely. I mean, that's... That's the idea. I mean, look, I mean, we, you know, this is what we're about. I mean, we're, we're called source stream for a reason. I mean, this is, this is, this is a place where, where we really want people um, to come and join in and feel like they can both challenge our thinking, which is wonderful, um, challenge each other's thinking, which is wonderful um, and engage in, in a spirited dialogue and feel like that, when if you're just watching below the fold, you you leave and you think, wow, I, I learned something. This was great. I had a great time. Like, this was really, really worth it. And or you get an Eddie Van Halen tribute. Well, or you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's uh, that is um, Eddie Van Halen was was popular this week on Source String. No, that was by the way. Yeah. Thank again. Shout out to Jed for for making sure I I, I, pro, I pulled that back up. Mario yeah. Lanza and Eddie Van Halen dueling musical tributes on 
on Sourcestream this week. That was yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. yeah. It was it was great. But uh, but anyway, the point is like obviously that's that's why we're here, and yeah. it's and it's grateful. So we're grateful to everybody who's who's been been giving us their time and attention, and 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 uh, look a lot more to come from us. And visit sourcestream.com. We've we made some great modifications to our website, and uh, we'll be making a lot more. Absolutely. And for those of you guys um, who didn't hear us on the front end on this, you know, if you follow and subscribe, if you follow, obviously, you'll be able to hear when um, and get your alert whenever SourceStream does go live with all of our shows um, and our our new special uh, special programming for debates and things like that, town halls. But also, if you subscribe, you'll be able to get our source stream daily starting next week, which is a, a weekday um, digest of, of topical news headlines and, and pieces. So make sure you follow and subscribe us here. And we you know, love that you all all come back. And we're, we're glad that we've actually made some friends here and, and see yeah. some fellow some fellow names on this that, that are repeat viewers. So uh, hopefully that's feeling as much home for you all as it feels like home for us. So definitely uh, on what, what we always will do now uh, for just facts is we're going to go back and just do a quick recap and we're going to run through the 10 facts and our bonus fact for this week from, from source stream, just the facts. So without further ado, we'll, we'll run through them quickly. <laughs> So today on Just the Facts, we started out with fact one. President Trump was treated at Walter Reed for COVID. He took a car ride before being released to return to the White House. Fact two, more than a dozen White House staff and senior GOP officials tested positive for COVID this week. Fact three, the VP debate took place and maybe a fly was the only winner. Fact four, Trump refuses to participate in a virtual debate with Biden. He refused during an hour-long telephone interview with Fox Business. Fact five, U.S. COVID death toll is now more than 210,000 people. Fact six, the Fed Chair Powell said U.S. faces tragic risks from doing too little to support the economy. Trump halted negotiations on a relief bill the same day. Fact seven. The Supreme Court of the United States confirmed mail-in ballots must contain a witness signature in South Carolina. Ballots already mailed in also must be counted. Fact eight, Biden-Harris hold a, a plus 16 point lead nationally in a CNN poll released on October 6th. Fact nine, over 840,000 Americans filed for unemployment last week. The, that was the 29th straight week of the highest weekly unemployment claims since 1982. Fact 10, automobile miles driven in the U.S. are down 13% from normal, and 23% of employees continue to work from home. And our bonus fact, a new study shows reading too much political news can be bad for your mental health, but watching it and discussing it is always good. <laughs> so that's SourceStream Just the Facts for today, October 9th. Join us next week and join us for any of our shows on SourceStream. We look forward to seeing you then. Have a great weekend, everybody.